Welcome to Stories from Retirement, a new podcast that features long-form conversations with cool people who have been retired for at least one year. I'm your host, Drew, and I'm newly retired as of January 22. I spent a lot of time preparing, thinking about, and researching retirement. If you found this podcast, you're probably curious about retirement too. Unfortunately, I found that most retirement podcasts are really just thinly veiled attempts by money managers to get your attention for their services. My intentions for this podcast are simple. I want to have great conversations, learn about all aspects of life after working, and to share these stories with other people who are curious about what retirement is really like. Your feedback is welcome at storiesformretirement at gmail.com. Welcome to Episode 2 of Stories from Retirement with my dear old friend, George. So far, both episodes I've recorded have come in at three plus hours. And that's a lot of content. Uh, But that's also what happens when you have a fun conversation with an old friend. So, after some further thought and feedback, I've decided to trim uh, the conversation in this podcast to just focus on George's thoughts on retirement. Now, as a bonus clip for this episode, I've also published George's account of his life story and his storied career. Like many first-generation immigrants to this country, George has an incredible life story to share. It is not to be missed. So without further ado, here's my conversation with George. George has taught me a lot. I've known him for a long time, and I, I was thinking about some of the things you've just in conversation uh, shared with me. I remember you know, I was, when I was having some hard times with my lady, you told me the Bucking Bronco story. Um, when uh, your daughter was getting married and my kids were young and I was kind of asking you how you felt about, you know, this and were you nervous and you kind of shared with me, well, hey, you know, kids really kind of listen to you until you're, until they're about 12 and after that, they watch you, they observe you and they learn more from uh, your actions than from your words. I definitely took that to heart, parenting. Um, the other one that just kind of came to mind, and there's a bunch of them that I really appreciated, was when I ran my one and only marathon, and you're going to learn George is quite a runner, you advised me to be the absolute last person to cross over the starting line. So psychologically, you'd spend the whole race passing people. And uh, that helped me a lot until I hit the wall. And then I needed a couple of friends to encourage me to get up off the pavement and, and finish the damn race. But anyways, um, you've taught me a lot through the years. I've always appreciated it. You know, we've got a little bit of age separating us. I always felt like you've been a big brother. And I know I'm going to learn a lot from this conversation as well. And I think you'll, um, you'll provide a lot of insight for people that are thinking about retirement and a lot of insight for people that are in the middle of retirement, maybe need a little bit of a spark or a little bit of perspective to consider where they're at and you know how they can make the most of, of uh, this phase in their life. Um, so so thanks for being a part of this. I'm looking forward to it. And I thought what we'd start with is the transition into retirement. First of all, like how long have you been retired? When did you retire? Well, I retired in February 1st of 2017. And that date okay. is kind of special date. That was the end of our fiscal year when I was at Salesforce. It was uh, uh, January 31st is the end of the fiscal year and February 1st starts the new fiscal year. And that was the beginning of my retirement and the end of the working world. 
So it's been... Okay, uh, so you're five years into five it. Five and a half years into it. Five and a half years into it. Like, can you tell us about, like, the, the planning you did in advance of the transition? I know you thought about it. We talked about it a lot. But what, what kind of planning did you do? Well, the planning kind of starts with a frame of mind. My frame of mind changed probably uh, three years before I actually retired or uh, when I was about in my early 60s. I started thinking about what happens at some point in time of our lives. And um, I kind of figured that the natural progression from what happens is from the working life is to a uh, retirement life. So I start thinking about it more and more and more, and that was constantly on my mind, um, trying to um, think about what happens and how that's going to transition. So that process also was part of uh, my working life as well. Um, At that point, I worked for Salesforce, of course, and Salesforce was an absolutely great place to work. I loved every bit of it. There were a few exceptions. The exceptions that I saw happening around me is... We all have those exceptions, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, the exceptions yeah. were uh, that I found myself looking around and uh, you know, going to some big meetings where there were hundreds, if not thousands of people, sometimes thousands of people, and kind of looking around and, and being very honest with myself and, and thinking... Am I the oldest person here, or probably if not the oldest person, probably one of the older people around here? Hmm. And um, the feeling was... And it's surprising with these tech companies that that's, they're not as young as people think. It's certainly not in the sales force. And always in a, in a sales organization, you're correct. Sales organizations yeah. tend yeah. to be more mature. But nevertheless, right. I can still see that there's a completely different direction. Um, the things that some of the younger people found uh, exciting and interesting, like jumping up and round and screaming and rah, 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 <laughs> wasn't that exciting to me. Uh, you know, the, the yeah, role playing. I can relate. The role playings and telling your stories and telling everybody how you're going to be excited and what a great way you're going to be doing this or Those that. Vulnerability and, falls. Yeah. Or, uh, for me, it was LinkedIn. <laughs> You know, I had some younger colleagues that were super active and showy on LinkedIn, and I'm like, I do not want to do that. Right. So along those lines, uh, things uh, that are natural for all the sales organizations are um, quarterly business reviews, you, reviews mm-hmm. or QBRs, and where you kind of uh, had to stand in front of the group of uh, your peers as well as your management and go through the same process you've probably done hundred times before and probably heard uh, multiple hundred times from other people and listening to other people's and thinking about, am I really need to do this? It's it's hard. (laughs) Again. Hard to do it again and again and again. And and those things were kind of creeping on me. And little by little, I came to the conclusion that the direction I needed to go is a uh, start thinking about that retirement. Along the same lines, um, an- another transition happens in, at least in my life and I assume in everybody's life, is that my energy level wasn't there anymore about getting up in the morning and being extremely excited as I was all throughout my whole life about waking right. up that morning and going out there and just getting it done, just just getting it, getting it absolutely 
And, and those account management jobs can be endless in terms of support. Maybe it was different. I'm curious. Was it different in terms of the workload of supporting your customer in a uh, SaaS company compared to, say, Microsoft or Symantec or Oracle? It had to be easier, I would think. Well, uh, <laughs> no, I wouldn't call it easy. It, in fact, I, I don't think it was easier in any way or shape. Uh, okay. My job wasn't about supporting the the existing customers anyway so the the job the sales job at salesforce um you don't get paid for any uh, incremental business so it's always new business that mattered so because of that reason um it doesn't matter <laughs> if your customers okay. are not happy with it it doesn't matter but that kind of translates in you still taking care of them because your your goal is to sell them new stuff it's always about new stuff right right and, if you aren't if they aren't happy with the old stuff, they're likely not going to buy any new stuff. It's difficult to sell something else to. <laughs> That's correct. Right. So, you know, the, my energy level and my excitement level and, and the need to get up in the morning and just go out there and get it done and get excited just wasn't there anymore. The spark just getting yeah. lower and, and lower and lower and lower. And well, let, let me ask you this. I mean, <clears throat> you had been financially ready after Symantec. Right. You had a whole career at Salesforce where you had enough money, right? At least money. That's one consideration in terms of planning for retirement. What was your biggest concern about retiring? So it's an excellent question. So so rewind back. Um, Yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, When I finished my uh, work with uh, Symantec, I was mentally ready and as well as is financially ready to retire. I was retired. And what happened was at that point in time, the opportunity showed itself to go to yet another time to do something I really had a passion for. And, and so that's why I stepped in. And uh, so financially, I've been ready all along. Nevertheless, I spent almost 10 years at, at Semantic. After that point, I became even more financially stable and, and ready to retire. So it was uh, not a problem with with money it was not a problem with anything else what was the problem is um it's kind of unusual um maybe not for others that are in in my position of sales and stress Um, i have lived all my life in business life in a very high level stress um job incredibly stressful job i was um under impression probably well obviously wrongly impression that I could not live my life without having that stress. My life was stress. It was yeah. seven by 24 by 365. It was just constantly. It was my, my stress. I really never worked for anybody other than myself. It didn't matter who my management was. I, I wonder how many other people share that concern. I, I think maybe people share it but articulate it differently. I mean, you're like the... The person I know, anyways, that can can just so clearly say, I needed that burden on my shoulders. I needed it, number one, and I didn't think I could live without it, number two, which is probably more important than anything else. I thought that what, what what's going to happen is that I will not be able to live without that stress because that stress was, um, uh, again, not stress put by others, which was there, but that was all tiny stress comparing to stress I put on myself. And I felt that so, not having yeah. that stress is going to be incredibly stressful to me. Not having stress will be incredibly stressful to me. I, I thought about that process so many times and so many miles of running 
not having stress is going to be incredibly stressful to me. So how, how did you, did you do anything to prepare for not having that level of stress? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and was your, was your concern, like to kind of cut to the chase, was your concern overblown? So this is the way I, I look at it is, uh, I was expecting that when that February 1st game in 2017, that um, it was a snowy day. It was, I looked outside, it was snow the whole night and it was uh, about a foot of snow on the ground and, but the sun came out. I love those mornings. It was colder, colder, cold, cold. The sun was out there and I thought, okay. And I had this feeling that um, I felt I still, because I was still working as far as I, I was still working, but I wasn't. There's was no more conference calls. There was no more reports. No one's going to worry about what Schedule I do. Was open. Schedule was wide open. <laughs> there was nothing to do. But I felt that I was still in, in this in this huge uh, block of ice. And that block of ice is just going to get harder and harder and harder. And it's just going to either going to get harder or it's going to be just as stressful as, as it always was and I was waiting for that to kind of blow over and just just destroy me and I was gonna say I'm gonna go crazy I'm gonna go look for another job do something else so go back to Salesforce or whatever you can always do that right? <laughs> I always thought I could do that so I was waiting for something bad to happen and I thought okay any day now I'm just gonna feel so crazy it's gonna drive me crazy but but really what what happened instead I felt that ice was beginning to melt little by little just mm. little by little little by little there was no phone calls and there was no emails uh, business emails there was no reports no QBRs you know none of that none of that happened and that resulted in thinking well maybe it's not going to be a big problem <laughs> not having stress is not going to be stressful so so, you know, in any of these questions that I ask you, you can say, I don't really want to go there or we can edit it out later. You know that, right? But I guess I guess what I'm wondering is the way you're describing your need for stress, is that something you feel like wards off some darkness or depression or? It's, I think it's more. Because it sounds like it's a mental thing. It's a mental thing, but it's the kind of life that we chose to have when we move into sales. And it's, uh, yeah. you know, if you're a salesperson working for someone else, uh, then other people putting stress on you is going to be a problem. In my case, and probably most other people like myself case, that pressure from others is nothing compared to pressure to put myself. So it's all about, it's an right. internal stress. It's an it's internally exposed okay. stress and I couldn't think of any way to get rid of it. And and other than you know i'm retired now and it's done it's finished i'm not even thinking about going back and and one of the things you asked me a few minutes ago about you know the plan the only plan that i had when i retired is to have no plan that was it i did not want to create a list i did not want to say i'm going to do this this or that here's my you know 30 day list and 60 day list or six months list so you, so you didn't really make a lot of big changes either in terms of your home or... I just wanted to have no no yeah. plan. Plan was to have no plan yeah. and see what happens. Plan is okay. to have no plan and go somewhere and, you know, uh, none of that was on my list. I just wanted to have no plan and see what happens. 
and that was how I proceeded. Went to my Florida house. Okay. It was good, sunny, and nice warmer than what it was in a snow, more snow. So I kind of transitioned into a lot more running than I've done before. I ended up running 2,000 miles, over about 2,600 miles that year, 2,600 miles. And Have you ever done that, that much before? No, that wasn't possible because it was just enough time. I probably came more like... So your first year retirement, you ran 2,600 miles. Over 2,600 miles. <laughs> Wow. So, so is that like an average of eight a day? Or about six point three miles a day. It's six, six and seven days wow. a week. It's a ten k every day. Basically, my average run was about ten mile. Um, I didn't run every day, but pretty much about between nine point six or so miles was my average run. So I ended up. Uh, I, one of the things that I said, okay, I'm not going to work. 40 hours a week, but I'm going to run 40 miles a week. I ended up overachieving on okay. my run, <laughs> on my quota. That was the only quota I, I, I allowed myself to have. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's right in the target range, though. That's right? exactly what it is. It's just you know, yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. I, I o- overachieved cool my quota. 52 weeks, uh, you know, that's it, it, it's quite a bit of... Uh, life, so I became maybe obsessed with that. Uh, the The following yeah. year, I ran again twenty four hundred miles. So you know, now five years later, I've run well over ten thousand miles. Um, maybe about. And you describe that as meditative for yourself. Do Do you run like without headphones, or do you listen to stuff? Uh, it depends. Uh, I I don't okay. listen to music. Music is. Okay. Something I cannot listen to. I'll listen to podcasts more than anything else. Um, but uh, for majority... I've actually never tried that. If I run, it's either with nothing or with music. But I've never tried like just a conversation while I'm running. That works It works you, extremely huh? well for me. Uh, that works or nothing. But music does not work for huh? me. Music kind of disturbs my... What I found about music, why the music doesn't work for me is because of the... You know, I look at running as being uh, kind of like a yoga where your heart rate, your breathing, your cadence, the stepping all falls in the rhythm, in the same rhythm. And the mm-hmm. problem with music is that if it's not fit into the exact same rhythm, then there's one thing wrong, and that's the music. And that... Be- it can throw your, it, yeah, your brain back into it, the it becomes it, 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 it becomes, the, yeah. you know, the wrong uh, gear inside of that fine-tuned rest of the, uh, the system. So that's why I don't listen to music. Okay. I found out it's too slow or too fast, but never right. So music has never been an option. So, you know, I continue to run I, at least 2,000 miles every year since my retirement. It, uh, that hasn't stopped. Um, it's kind of become um, my new goal, my new quota. Yeah, okay. I was going to ask you that because it sounds like you didn't have any any goals but um you found one which is 40 miles a week rather than 40 hours of work (laughs) i love it i love it um tell me tell me like your perception on timing you talked about february 1st it was the end of your fiscal year do you have any advice for people in terms of like timing their retirement uh i think the the word that i use to describe 
the timing is you'll know when you when it's the right time you just know it I, there is not one thing there's not two things there's not ten things it's just a combination of all the things you just know that your energy level is not there that maybe you don't fit there anymore maybe that your mind frame is um, not anymore um, um, gives you that ability to have the, the that feeling of getting up in the morning and uh, be extremely excited about what this day is going to bring and what this week is going to bring and um, if you don't have that it's time it's time to retire or it's either time to retire or do something different one of the two and in my case the answer was to retire I've done everything I wanted to accomplish um, I didn't want to leave on a way down I didn't want to have an, op an opportunity to fail to uh, be asked to leave to be fired none of those things were uh, something that I have ever has happened to me and I didn't want to go down that path either it's one of those right. sports things yeah. you know I agree with that completely. you want to leave at the top rather than on the bottom and you want to leave it your own choice not by somebody else's choice right. it was obvious to me the last couple of years uh, I didn't exactly um, put in as much work as I did in the past so you know to add to go back to your original question what did I do to prepare one of the things that I did to prepare for retirement is um, when I start feeling those desires to retire, um, I rechecked all of my financial statements. Um, okay. Did all of that myself uh, as I manage most of my, all of my finances, pretty much most of my finances all of my life. I checked, rechecked, double checked, and triple checked, made sure that everything was in order. I did some calculations um, to figure out. Did you use anybody on the outside to help you double well, check? Well, I'm getting that? to that. So basically okay, what so. I did was I, I, when I was comfortable enough that my um, uh, finances are in order, um, I decided that I was going to get a, a second and a third opinion on that and a fourth opinion for that matter in other words three okay. other opinions okay. besides my own yeah that's smart I figure yeah, my because my... you could have a blind side right exactly there's oh, there's i was convinced of one thing for sure i don't have all the answers and i was not an expert in right. finances as well as i did so uh, i had money in three different places i had money at um uh, morgan stanley or chase uh, at that time I had some money there, I had money in E-Trade, and I had money at Fidelity. So I went and I okay. um, took all my paperwork, it took me a while to put it all together, made sure that everything that I had, my all my financials were in one space, one one way to explain it. And I went and uh, set up a, a meeting with each one of those three organizations, people I had contact with, and I told them that what my goal was, that I wanted someone else to go over all of my financial financials and told them that um, what my goals are and my goals so in terms of goals like your monthly or annual budget type thing no my goals were simpler than that no my goals were okay. I've done well to keep my money as it is right now I wanted to make sure that uh, I didn't want to continue to do that I wanted to pass that on to someone else and my goal were okay. to uh, whoever is going to manage my money I'm going to give them all of that money to manage mo most all of it or the money manage and I'm asking them not to screw it up what I'm looking in return 
is that I do have um, uh, a easy, comfortable transition to retirement. So there was really nothing missing financially for me. So I explained that to okay. each and every one of them, and I told them that this was a um, kind of extension to what I did for a living, except it was now the opposite. I was the one <laughs> that interviewed <laughs> them. So I was going to give all my business to the one that wins. So they all uh, reviewed my finance, financials. Uh, Rita, both my wife and I went, and we were listening to them. And uh, I wanted to make sure they all have exact same information. I give them an opportunity to interview me and Rita, and you know, give us. Uh, uh, and then when they get done, give us the report for them to do their discovery about your lifestyle exactly. needs and risk tolerance. Ask questions, whatever you want, and then at the end, you give me your, your proposal. And I will choose one, and it will be one wins all, and that's uh, the way it happened. So I, I had ex exactly okay. um, visited each one of those. They all did a, a great job. At the end of the day, I chose one of them, and I went with Fidelity. So that was my choice. Good and I you. transferred all my, um, my money and consolidated it, almost all of it, into Fidelity. And set up an environment in, in the way I set up my uh, together with 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 the final uh, role. I kind of decided that I was going to break my money in three different uh, a circle in three different pies. One pie is going to be um, money that I'm going to continue to invest in a aggressive way. One third is going to be okay. money that's going to be used to pay me my monthly paycheck, if you will. And like a dividend or bond whatever or it is like that, that generate enough money to you know we can live okay. very comfortably. And the, the other third, the third third is going to be cash, liquid money. Okay. So um, one third okay. is liquid money, one third is invested as uh, business as usual, aggressive, and one third is going to be money that's going to be generating Your my income. income. And okay. uh, I asked them not to bother me on a day to day basis, but to manage it. And of course, this is going to be, I knew it's going to be expensive to do that, but I was willing to pay that, and I'm still willing. Was it like um, north of 1%? Or just a, just what, a, what are they a slash of 1%. A little bit over 1%. Uh, the yeah. beauty of that is okay. because of the kind of uh, amount that, that you bring in, You, uh, I was put in into a, a, a manager that has only 20 of us, and so okay. that gives me uh, pretty much access to it. He doesn't have hundreds of people to deal with. He's got 20 of us. And that's all he's got. So he's a 20 okay. customer salesperson. <laughs> that's basically it. That's face to face. That's cool. So that's where I'm at. I'm very happy with the way that things have progressed. Okay. So so let me ask you this. As you were, you know, I know you were financially independent for quite some time, but as you were approaching that, did, did you always have like a number in your mind and then did you end up retiring with twice that number or 1.5? Like what kind of margin of error did you have from when you were originally dreaming of this? Um, well, whatever number I can come up with, it wasn't probably right. And that was based, that's kind of what drove me to go see those three of those uh, organizations. Okay. And the way I approached it is, I, you know, the story that I gave them is I, I had a couple good examples, my parents. And you know, I know that my my 
my mom lived till the age 87 and my dad lived to age 96 um, actually 86 and 96 those are the two numbers and I said you know um, I know I've watched them spend live and spend their money and how they lived and I knew that you know, their uh, spending wasn't a a flat number that they spend the same amount all along I knew they spend a little bit more when they were younger and a lot less as they're getting older right and yep. whatever they do to format my projection uh, based on that number, um, they ask some very nice, interesting questions and good questions, which I never even thought of. Like, like what, if you recall? Uh, questions like, you know, what is your goal? Is your goal, you know, give me a number of how you want to uh, position the outgoing strategy as you finish. Is your goal to spend all your money? At the end of your is life. It, is it your goal to yeah. spend all of your money? Is your primary goal to leave most of your money to your kids? You know, the, okay. those kind of questions that I kind of... Those were nice questions to consider to talk to someone uh, other than, you know, with between you and your wife. Your family. Your family. Say, so, you right, know, they asked yeah. some good questions, and then I was able to ask them follow-up questions, like what do most people do, just to get a perspective on that. And, you know, what are some recommendations? Always looking for recommendations, what they recommend. And those are important things to consider. And, uh, of course, you want to think about leaving money for your um, children and grandchildren, but really, that's not my concern. You know, I made it right. with with nothing, and they can make on their own. Um, right, and they're they're both doing. My well. priority is for both myself and my wife to live the rest of our life, whatever that may be, in a comfortable way, and not to burden anybody with any of the uh, being responsible for us to be taken care of. So my money is yep, primarily good. designed to take care of ourselves. Uh, that's all. Okay. You know, that's that's number one priority. Whatever else happens is a bonus. Um, they they assured me. Well, let, well, let me ask you this: You retired five years ago. As you have you been outspending your retirement portfolio growth, or or has your portfolio been growing? It's actually been the opposite. I, I can't spend what I'm getting. It, it's right. it's just not possible. You know, it's. My yeah. life is, I've always lived in a much simpler life yeah. than, than you know, maybe most people have. But that's probably because where I came from, you know, I was, right. I came from nothing and <laughs> I'm okay with nothing. I mean, that's what I hear though. I hear, um, you know, people talk about die with zero, spend everything you have. And they say, you know, financial uh, management people, people like your uh, manager that has 20 clients, when their clients reach 70, a vast, vast majority, like Six Sigma <laughs> exceptions, um, the vast majority don't spend what their portfolio earns every year. They don't. They don't. So it just increases. It just continues to increase. You get more money yeah. than you you know you can spend. Now, you yeah. bring interesting point here. I asked the same question of my financial advisor at Fidelity that I'm now very good relationship with. And I, you know, I tell him, um, his name is Ryan. I say, Ryan, tell me how I compare not just to your other customers, but to others. Because he's, you know, he's grew up to this point. So he's seen many, many different people in his career. What happens? He said, well, um, you're doing much better than most people. 
most that there are yeah. there are a lot of people that um, have wrong expectations they may have a little bit of money and their expectations are that they're going to be living uh, far beyond what's even possible to live with their expectations you know, be specific See, there are people that come to us with a million dollars and they think that they can live like a millionaire for the rest of their life each and every right. year for and ever and ever and ever. It's just not possible. Doesn't make any sense. Does right. not, it just doesn't make any sense. They literally... Not everybody's rational. That's exactly yeah. what, the, the, what the message was. People are just not rational. They're not able to think in some basic things. And there's others that um, come in with a decent amount of retirement prepared to retire and then they kind of like blow it all out in a couple of years and then they go back to work. They have no idea what to do next. This I might be looking in the mirror on that one. <laughs> I've had a little bit of an MC Hammer 2022 and then you got Putin and inflation and I'm like, oh my God. But we'll see. We'll you got I mean, your first year was 2,600 miles. My first year was pretty a lot of spending. Except they were not running miles; they were flying miles. <laughs> no, right? Yeah, right. That's a better way of saying it. That's okay. Though. That's funny. So you know, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny you say that though, because I had the same discussion with. Um, I've got a financial, you know, planner at at J.P. Morgan who I like quite a bit, and. Uh, Jeannie and I were sitting and talking and she was telling us what we could spend a month and with whatever, 90% confidence against 10,000 portfolios and, and uh, scenarios. And I said, well, okay, that sounds pretty good. I don't think we'll be able to spend that. How often do you tell people that they're not ready? Kind of the same question you asked. And she said about 40% of the time. I, I asked the same questions. You're right. There's a lot of people are just not ready. Yeah. And he says that's an extremely difficult conversation to have with people mm-hmm. because this is not what they want to hear. Especially if they're running out of energy, like you said earlier, and they're not feeling clicked into their 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 coworkers. And would you have any, I know you haven't necessarily lived through this, but what advice would you have for people that are that are maybe, they think they're a year or two out, but now it's maybe five years out based on the advice they get from their financial analysts and the reality of where they're at. That's probably most people. You're an exception. Well, yeah. What what advice would you have for Don't them? trust yourself only. Definitely don't yeah. trust yourself only. Uh, there's a good chance, as you, you said, 40%, I'd say probably 50% or better, people are not going to be uh, correct in whatever assumptions they make about their financials. They're going to be wrong. Don't trust yourself. And if one, if you if you hear it from one person, that may not be enough because you may be hearing only from person that you like the words that they tell you. Go out there and talk to two others, three people. Talk to them. Be, uh, you know, the, there are experts that have spent all of their life yep. doing this. I'm not an expert in financials. I'm not, by by far. I did. I worked for a living selling software, not managing people's money. I met. I happen to manage my own money quite well but there's a lot of luck involved in that and doing the role the you know the things that that i did the best that i knew the best but it wasn't my primary job not even close so trust people that's their primary job people that have expertise in it and don't be afraid to uh 
spend money to save money to to make money yeah yeah um it's going to cost to pay that one percent it's going to cost you one percent to keep it it's worth it i believe it's worth it yeah but make sure that one thing you just said a few minutes ago you like your advisor that you have make sure you like the advisor that you have that's good that's very important but challenge them not to tell you just what you want to hear you got to hear the whole story if you're screwing up i want you to tell me that i'm screwing up and i tell that to ryan all the time if i'm screwing up something you tell me i want to know that i really do i don't want you to tell me what i want to hear i want to hear the the real truth but financial problems uh, everything is great until you get them (laughs) if you don't have the (laughs) it's kind of like health exactly yeah yeah do you how about on the spending side i mean you're probably an exception here too but do you have like a system that you use to budget or to give yourself money or rita money or do you have anything like that absolutely never had it in my life never budgeted anything in my life i lived with a goal of buy what i want when i want as much as i want that was never ever ever part of that that's a beautiful i tell you i never knew how much money i made in my life (laughs) it just uh only the uh, money just directly when they invented that direct deposit my life changed completely i really had no idea what i was getting made (laughs) money just kind of showed up in a bank well, account. I, I know you well. I mean, you're a modest person too. And uh, again, you're an exception where your income exceeds your expenses all your life. It just affords a different lifestyle than I think what most people have. I think most people have to have some sort of budget and understand, certainly going into retirement, what they actually spend. And that can be hard to figure out, like you said, with direct deposit and with a cashless economy and credit and everything it's important i think to have at least a year maybe two years of knowing exactly what your spending is like what Jeannie and i did a couple years before we retired is we put a chunk of money into an account and said that's the only account we're going to withdraw from for everything everything mm-hmm. taxes health um travel everything we learned like what we burned through in six months um and that's been kind of the basis of our confidence that we could retire. Oh, oh, everybody's different, and I have no doubt that it, yep. it something that worked for you that's incredibly important for you guys. Uh, we we didn't do that in our life. Um, to be honest with you, I never wrote a check in my life to pay any bill. Rita does all of that. I really have no idea how much Oh, money. that's great. Yeah. I have no idea. That's she, great. She gives me a hard time all the time that, you know, if I die, you won't be able to pay any bills. Like, well, maybe they have direct de- deposit and I'll just take it out of my bank. <laughs> yeah. It is not. It, uh, that's a nice I, balance. I'm not, good for you. It's not, I'm, good, I'm not good at that. <laughs> I'm just not good at that. It's, it's whatever. I'd rather pay a year ahead than just how much will I use for this water bill for a year? Why don't I just write your take that much amount? I don't care. It's like, money has not been concerned. You know, I, what you when we first started this second session, you kind of 
asked me about the work and you know, I can tell you there's maybe only one important thing that I miss about work. Okay. And that's called a direct deposit to my uh, bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I do miss <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I was kind of blown away. Like, you know, we had, we had obviously different income levels, but I was blown away at how little income actually ever went into my account. I mean, it was almost all going to 401k and stock purchase or taxes. It's like there wasn't a whole lot coming in at the end of the day. <laughs> well, you, you did well. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, we've been extremely fortunate. Both of us have been extremely fortunate to work in some incredible yeah. places. And uh, just having a 401k and, and uh, employee stock purchase options, those are just... Uh, mind mind oh, boggling. Allows you to save. My, you don't even know you're saving. You just you just are. Now, um, when you say have I prepared for retirement, I, I remember way back when. You know, for, I'm old enough now that I remember sitting in one of the meetings, way back in like 1987 when I was at Prime Computer. I believe it was 1980s, in 80s, some in 80s, when um, we had a conference call someone came in and gave us a this conference call that there was something available that people can invest money in and um they called it a 401k like what is that (laughs) and they went into it was new they they went into a lot of blah 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 but there was one thing that stuck to my mind and that's they said things like the company matching up to six percent it's like okay Mm. so you put in six percent and the company puts up to another matches that and that goes into your that's exactly what i did so the advice to people preparing put as much money in as possible as early as possible into your savings account And it'll just happen. And when I went from my various different jobs, and when you say savings, you say four. Well, that's one one savings account. Yeah, that's yeah, one, one way. way of, that's a yeah. that's a definitely a great way of savings account. So four hundred one k's are a great way to put money. And I think back, I didn't even know I had that money. You know, you just said it a second ago. You know, you don't even know they have it. It just you just disappears, and somehow it just disappeared, and I went and carried that same account from one place to another place I work, to another place I work, to another place I work, and at the end of my work, when I finished Salesforce, they handed it over to me and say, it's now it's yours, <laughs> and that's when I handed it over to Fidelity, and it says, well, now it's yours, <laughs> you take care of it, right. and before you, that's an oak tree and now, before right? I know it, it's like, how did this happen, it was just groove from almost nothing to this and it was it was far beyond what I thought it was going to be and then we had uh, incredible couple of, it's hard to imagine that when you're a young it's person, hard to right? imagine that you can't right. uh, you know what, what I learned way back when I first started work every just almost every comp- company that was around whether it was small or big had pension accounts and then in the 60s when social security became I think it was 63 or 64 when Social Security became um, a, 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 the, the important part of people's life. Probably half of the companies started stopped offering pensions and uh, shifted towards Social Security will take care of you. And then 
slowly those half became another half and before you know it you look uh, 30 years later no company offers pensions anymore just about right you know i can't yeah even even public uh the only one remaining are public the jobs only, like government the only remaining ones are few you know government organizations but even that's incredibly yeah. small num- number of those and the, the, did you ever work for a company that offered a pension? I did. Prime Computer did. You know, yeah. remember, okay. you know, a lot of people said that they didn't want to put their money in 401ks because Prime Computer offered pensions. And the, <laughs> What's the likelihood of a computer company lasting to retirement? Well, there's not many. I, I was vested in the pension plan. And uh, as most of the pension plans, uh, not only they're being stopped offer, offered, but a lot of them went bankrupt, those pensions. In right. our case, we were fortunate enough that there was a little bit of money left and they offered to give me something like $200 a month payment or whatever it was, a lump sum. Do you get that? No, I, of course not. I, I says I took a lump. a lump sum. Like, I don't want, because yeah. I know yeah. what happens yeah. to those accounts. What's the likelihood <laughs> of keeping that 200 Yeah, right. That's smart. So I took a long time ago, I was able to take the lump sum and just roll it back into Fidelity and it's still a better way to go. Well, I got a story to tell you along those lines. So, you know, you had mentioned in our last talk that you were kind of interested in, in being in the military at one point and one of the lessons I got from the military is like when you get to be a, what they call a short timer, so that means you have less than 100 days left, everybody in like the squadron or the battalion, will say, hey, Drew, short timer. And uh, how many days you got left? I say, 63. And you start counting it down, right? And it was a, it was a great feeling to walk out of there, but it also felt like a bit of a, like a a prison sentence in a way like you're stuck there till the end there was a time that you had to stay and i remember like my first job out of university was with with ford motor company which was a great company to work for and it was pension and i remember when i left to go to oracle people were like man you are you're leaving the program here what are you thinking and i just didn't want to be like my age not even close to being a short timer and maybe hating my boss and feel shackled to this company for a freaking pension. So I think in, in some ways, if you're rational and prepared, having your 401k as opposed to a pension allows you to jump from you know, a leading database company to a security company to a, a pioneer in SaaS and continue along. I think you're much better off taking care of the retirement uh, needs than anybody can do it. Yes. I, I look at it this way. Um, there's absolutely no one in the world that cares about my retirement more than I do. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's that's so true. The same with health. Same with health. Same with taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Same with well-being. Yeah. No one cares about me more than I do. So for me to sit back and wait for someone to take someone, who's someone? <laughs> it's just me. And I'd rather yeah. take care of my own retirement than anyone else. That's why lump sum yeah. is the best way, the best option, and invest it. Very uh, good. It's, the, it's a great way to go. Take care of yourself because, oh. uh, you know, if you don't, no one else will. Well, speaking about taking care of yourself, you, you sh- you've shared with us a bit about your uh, new 40-hour quota or 40-mile quota a week. Um, 
what else are you doing for your health? I know you've done some interesting things with your diet over time. And I know your sister's done some interesting things with her diet. Um, be curious just for your thoughts on, like, do you think you're healthier now that you're retired, that you don't have that stress on your back, um, that you have time to exercise and recover? Has, has it changed a lot? I know you always took care of yourself when you were working, so what, it's probably not that drastic a change, but just curious for your thoughts on just your your health as, since you've retired. Uh, I have come to a conclusion to uh, that health is the most important thing that we have. There's absolutely nothing else in the world that's, you know, we talked a little bit about money, but that's trivial. That's nothing. If you don't have health, you have nothing. Health is the most important thing that we have. And there is, um, uh, again, no one's going to take care of you as much as you're going to take care of yourself. You know, if I go to this doctor or that doctor, they're going to spend seven minutes with me and that's it. They don't. They, yeah, they're not going to try to puzzle what's going on with you after you leave. It's and, all no. up to you. They're not, they're, no matter what they tell you, they're going to look into this and look into that. They're not. Because in as soon as they walk out of that door, they're going to walk in another door. They're going to take care of that person. So it is purely up to you to take care of yourself. Uh, I really don't do anything special about my, my health uh, other than I run. And I don't run... My goal for running is is all mental. It's it's that yoga thing that I, it, it's not it, it's not okay. even a goal. It's not even something I I, I want to do. It's just something I have to do. It's become such a habit, but it's been my habit all my life. So that's nothing new about that. The it's it's a, it, it became far beyond uh, wanting to do. It's it's just something I have to do. Um, I um, run for my for my well-being not for my health not for uh, i don't long to live longer it's not about that it's all about living better day-to-day living better and i believe it gives me that it gives me a mental edge it gives me something that i that i need it's my drug it's the drug that everyone else in life has so so let me ask you this like I, i i heard from um andy he said you know a tired dog is a happy dog do you feel like you're tiring yourself, or is it something slightly different? It's than completely that? different. I never feel okay, tired, yeah. ever. It's I don't run myself to the tired. To tired. It's it's if I may say again, it's a yoga thing. You don't get tired after yoga, and I don't get tired after running. I have zero tiredness after after doing that. It's absolutely nothing so to do have, with that. Have you experimented with with other exercise? Like you mentioned, yoga. Have you have you been to a yoga class? Of course, been to a yoga class. Yeah. I'm bicycling. I've done all of that, but just something brings me back to what I'm most comfortable with. It's the breathing. It's the yeah. heart rate. It's the, I believe the the brain waves in your head start sinking in into the same rhythm. It's all about rhythm. It, we live in rhythm. We, it, it, it's the rhythm is the thing that, that we lived on the other thing that I did about my diet especially since I retired is that um, I really spend a lot less calories living now than I did before the mental stress takes a lot of calories out of your body so I really eat a lot less than That's I have ever done before 
And the brain consumes. I think I'm noticing that too. Brain consumes enormous amount of 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 uh, energy, especially sugar. Um, so if you really, if you're not thinking as much as you did before, you're gonna burn less fuel. You're really gonna be. So I've pretty much uh, resorted to probably eating twice a day. Most of the times I will eat. Um, my first meal would be around noontime. My my okay. last that's lunch. My last meal is going to be 5 p.m. until the next day, which is going to be about noontime again. So basically, I'm. It's a pretty tight window. I'm fasting yeah. 20 hours a day. Most of the most of the uh, days of my life, I'm fasting 20 20 hours each and every day. And that's probably different than when you were a working. lot different. Right. I needed more energy then than I do now. I, I, I need right. a lot less energy today than I ever did before. And that fasting is probably so good for you. It is. I believe it, it, I believe it, it, it becomes a habit and the way, you know, breakfasts are greatly overblown. They, you really don't need them. I can do quite well without it. I'll get up in the morning. I'll run six, seven, eight miles. Fasted. Just fine. Yeah, yeah, it's perfectly fine. So, what's your what's your morning routine? Are you waking up and you know reading or um, tidying up, or do you get straight up, put on your shoes, and get out the door? No, I I don't like routines. <laughs> okay. My my routine is not to have a routine, and I'll get up in the okay, morning like most of the time, and uh, depending on the day, if it's a hot day, I'll get up early and do it early. If it's a cool day. I may my run may be eleven o'clock. It it does. Okay. It, there is no routine. Remember, my you my first goal one. was is to have no plan when I retired, and I stuck through that. I don't I don't like plans. Plans are not good for me. Lists are not. Unlike you, which I know you like lists. I'm not a list person. I don't like that. <laughs> Every week I do it. That makes me feel good. Uh, we all different. Uh, it would make me yeah. stressful. I did not want to have a yeah. stress. Uh, stress is not what I look forward to. And having a, something on a to-do list, I will often just say, okay, I need to go in the basement and do whatever I started a month ago or last year. It just... Okay. And you haven't revisited it since. Yes, but it, it, it kind of lingers. <laughs> Unfin unfinished <right>. business. <laughs> business, right. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Unfinished business that's got a master plan that needs to be completed at some point in time. Unfinished business that's not written down. <laughs> so so, so you've, you've talked a little bit about, you know, healthcare and experiences with doctors. And, you know, I think you've been very fortunate with your health, but... What what are you doing for healthcare? I mean, are you in Medicare now? Um, did you do that right out of uh, retirement, or you have any thoughts on how how people should prepare themselves for uh, medical expenses and health? Medical expenses are are probably going to be the biggest drawback for most people choosing to retire, and that's the kind of world we're living in, and, and it is what it is. And if you have enough finances, it's not going to be a problem. Because that's yeah. part of uh, the plan. If uh, um, you know, once you reach 65, um, I went on to Medicare, 
and I can assure you that it's been extremely well for me. It's, it, I, I like the plan. It's pretty okay. much completed. Um, you know, any, anything that I needed, Medicare was able to take care of. Okay. Do you have a supplement to it? Yes. Or is that expensive? Well, yeah. it's not for me. It's not expensive. You know, it's yeah. it's uh, right. you have a part that the government pays, and then there is, and that covers only so much. And the remaining is covered with the supplement, which I have, which is which is good. And you know, I've continued to go to uh, the same doctors that I've gone before, and uh, they accept all of my insurances. And I have yet to pay a single penny since uh, you know walking out of the door of a doctor's office for anything, mm, any that's service. Great. Okay. Now, I've also. Um, when I was 48 years old, I had a um, issue with my heart, and you know I had a um, stint put in. Uh, right, I remember in, that. Into my heart, and the guy that that, that did that, um, uh, he's pretty well known doctor around Detroit area, Dr. Khan, Joel Khan, and um, we maintain a relationship throughout. Dr. Khan was my cardiologist all along and then he decided to move out of the um, conventional medicine and start his practice, movies practice into concierge medicine, which okay. um, is a new way of, of providing uh, services to people that are willing to go down that route and yeah. basically yeah, concierge medicine for those that are not familiar is a, is a way for you to, um, you know, they, it, they don't take any insurance, but simply you pay as a customer. He has a set fee, you, um, but the beauty of that is... Does he replace your general practitioner as well? Then? I use him as a add-on, my, my second opinion or third okay. opinion. I continue yeah. to go to the people that I've been going to all along, but I go to him twice, twice or three times a year, depending on my time. And um, I pay him... I uh, think $250 and I get uh, uh, one hour, 50 minutes. And I can talk about anything I want to okay. talk about. And Has he given you anything specific that you'd be willing to share or any thoughts like in terms of your health or lifestyle? I like him for one major reason in that he's not part okay. of any uh, system that dictates of what to say and what to follow and what are the rules. The incentives are aligned. Properly, His incentives right? have absolutely nothing to do with the CDC guidelines or or yeah. any of the guidelines that are in you know, the World Health Organization. Or any guidelines. They're just his. He's just a doctor, and he, right. and um, he his opinion is his ex expertise of being a doctor for forty years. That's hmm. what he brings in, and he's going to tell you if he thinks this is BS or that's BS, or if he thinks this is real or this is not real. But that's his opinion, which is all I'm paying for, his, his experience okay. and his knowledge, and which um, I take as just another input, another, another point, another point of view. Besides, again, you're in control of all the decisions. Right, the, you're always in control of no, your own decisions. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, but I will hear things from my uh, general practitioner and um, various other doctors, and I'll go, "Well, what do you think, doctor?" And he'll tell me, "Oh, that's BS. You don't need to do that. You you shouldn't do that. You should not consider doing that." Or, "Yeah, I think that's the right thing to do." It, 
And that's a rare thing that I think you'll hear in a normal doctor's office. You'll never hear it anymore. They have a script they run through, like an EMR script. Correct. They ask this question. And And if if they don't follow that script, they're going to be removed out of that particular practice, that group of whatever they are. You know, if they're under this particular group and if they're the only one that's they're saying something different i'm sure that they have to follow this otherwise they can't now you know my doctor he doesn't care he's by himself if you don't like him you just don't come back and he doesn't get your so do you get get blood work and talk to him about your blood work and stuff as oh well, yes. or can he can you just yeah yes okay. yes yes he, he does all my blood work Interesting. And, but insurance will pay for blood work but they won't pay for my doctor visits they won't pay for his visit. anything else that happens around him Okay. Um, and he doesn't have the, um, ex- you know, the, the other doctors look at him as a outsider. They don't value his opinion. Right. They loved him when he was a part of their system, but they right. no longer love him anymore. <laughs> That's super interesting. I, has, has Have you been doing anything uh, supporting anti-aging or longevity or any supplements or anything? I do not take any supplements lines? at all. I take two medications yeah. one for high blood pressure and one for uh, cholesterol i've been taking okay. those since i was uh, age 32 for blood pressure and cholesterol till i was about age so you don't take a vitamin or fish oil or anything nothing. like that i i used nothing. to take them but i've completely stopped taking them my my sister who's a registered dietitian has been telling me for decades it's just a bunch of BS, and you don't need any of that. Just make sure you have a proper mm. diet, which we do. You know, I'm very fortunate yep. enough that someone uh, in our house, and it's not me, does an excellent job. It's an amazing ex- cook. Excellent job, beyond excellent job cooking. <laughs> yes. yes. And, no, it's a real and treat we, we, to have a Rita meal. Our medicine is the food we buy, or vitamins. Yeah. Supplements are the food we buy. We buy the good stuff, or the best stuff we can find. And my sister says, yep, that's the right thing to do. I've heard the expression, you could pay the grocer, you could pay the doctor. Exactly. Or, or buy supplements at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> they sell a lot of supplements. They sell a lot of supplements. My sister has been telling me for decades, and I keep like not listening. And finally, I just said, okay, I get it. She's right. I don't do you, feel do any feel difference. Like, I mean, I, I'm just curious here. I, I do you have any bad habits from a health standpoint that you want, want to work on or get better at? Bad habits of the health. Yeah. You know, I never changed anything in my life. <laughs> Pretty much the same. <laughs> but my, my bad habits were the ones that I kind of like completely got rid of, and that's that's self-stress, self-induced stress. That was my horrible so, so- habit. I, I was able to destroy myself. I was able to make myself sick by worrying about crap that doesn't matter. So do you think that the fact that you've retired now, that you've increased your probability of a, a healthy life? All I'm looking for is, you know, the health. That's it. The health is the most important thing there is. Just living healthy and less stress. Stress is the killer, silent killer that's impossible to detect. There's no measurement for it. There's nothing. There's no way to tell that you have stress, that you, that you, that you having stress, that you have stress-related issues. You just don't know that until way, way down the line. And now that I look back five years later, 
I do realize just how much stress there is. Just incredible amount of stress. It starts and it never ends. It's There's a little window. Every day, every week, there's a little window called Saturday and Sunday that is called like a stress reliever and we get this ah uh, feeling like oh my god this feels so good and you're on vacation <laughs> and then comes sunday night and sunday evening sunday afternoon and all of a sudden it goes right back to like okay what do i have to do this week and all of these plans and where do i have to go and what are the, the reports and the phone calls and problems and everything that you put away on friday it returns right back and the only difference is, is now it's a bigger problem because you didn't do anything about it on Saturday right. and Sunday. Right. And if, yep, you, it's if you're not, if you're, if this was a three-day weekend, then you're just having another day to that. <laughs> it just adds up to the, to the end of that. So, you know, best part of retirement is the fact that there's none of that. Sundays are just as good as any other day. <laughs> Let, uh, let me ask you this, you know, some people talk about, hey, I'm, I'm worried that I'll be bored in retirement or, um, you know, I'll, I'll find myself lonely or getting down or anything like that. Have you, have you noticed any trade off? Yeah, you're trading off the stress, but maybe there's something's missing or something along those lines. Do you feel anything like that? Yep. Uh, those are uh, valid concerns and they're probably true. Um, you know, yeah. when when I was getting ready to retire, I thought that um, there are two things that are going to happen. One, that when I retire, I'm going to have a lot less people. My 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 work friends are going to be um, a lot less in contact with me, and they're going to have a lot less of those friends. And number two, things that I thought that that was going to bother me a lot. And yeah. after I retired. Uh, I, I, I was. Um, I found out that I was half right. I was right about the fact that they're going to have a lot less friends. The people that are going to care about me a lot less. They're not going to be in contact with me. They're going to completely forget me. It did exactly as I thought it was going to happen. That's exactly what happened. It took a while. Some of them longer than the others. But after a while, it's most of them are just gone. Your work yeah. friends are no longer your work friends. The second part that I was wrong about is that it was going to bother me, and that didn't bother me. So um, it, it didn't bother me as much as I thought it was going to bother me. I figured a way around it. So I, I kind of rationalized with the fact that, well, they were really not my friends in the first place anyway. They were not my friends. They were friends of convenience. Right. They were friends that were there only because I was valued to them for some reason or another. Was no longer called maybe closer or, or a different word like a colleague as opposed to a friend. Yeah, those are not friends. Yeah. Those are not friends. Yeah. Now, as far as being bored, um, you know, it's that's a choice word. What does that mean? No one makes me bored. I can make myself bored, and uh, and I do sometimes, but that's also a stress relief, and um, I found million and one things that I can do to get rid of that. I, I, I heard that for so many of my friends and now more and more of them are retiring. As they retire, they express exact same concerns. And then when I see them months later, they say, you know, I can't imagine how I was able to do all this stuff that I do now that when I was uh, uh, still working. And 
they figured a way to get not bored. Now, I did have a couple friends that uh, went back to work. And right. uh, the results were mixed. Some were happy with it and some were not. I think at the bottom line of all this discussion is it's an indi individual matter. For me, it was not a big deal. It is. Yeah. I, I can say for myself, like, I, you know, I'm still in the transition. It's been it's been seven months for me. Like, I definitely feel like I'm in my own head more than I'm used to being. Like, I, I, I used to interact a lot more with other people, and that takes you out of your own head. Um, and I like my head. I think it's, I describe it as an interesting place I've built over the years. But um, I, I do miss the interaction quite a bit. Um, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you know, this, this podcast conversation, cause it's, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. And I'm like, I tell you what, next time I go running, I'm going to listen to a podcast. Yeah. Lex, I'm gonna, Lex I'm Freeman, gonna skip a lot of breakfast. Lex Freeman yeah. is a good choice. You do not really yeah. need a breakfast. You really don't need it. Yeah. If you uh, eat yeah. twice a day, you'll do just fine. Yeah. And the earlier yeah. you eat at the end of the day, the better. I, I do totally buy into too as well that boredom's a choice, right? Because it's I, a choice. I, I'm I'm taking a class on Coursera right now on um, on Bitcoin on kind of the technical underpinnings of it. It's uh, Princeton Computer Science, which sounds kind of cool to take, be taking a class with the Princeton Computer Science faculty. Takes you through you know hashing algorithms and how it all is built on proof of work and stuff. And that's interesting. So if anytime I'm I'm bored, I ought to just take that hour and sit down and and work on that course, those type of things. Um, and I read, you know, just to finish your thought, I, and I do the same thing. Yeah. I uh, One thing I did learn in my retirement is that, which was something I always had, which is this thirst and hunger and desire to learn. And I was never able to fulfill that until I retired. Now I can sit down and read hmm. for two hours and then take a nap. <laughs> you know I, I speaking of reading i just finished this really amazing book called uh a paragon which is a, i guess that is an object that has an infinite number or an uncountable number of sides think about it almost like the way they digitally create a circle with all these many different lines and it's a story of a palestinian and israeli um two fathers that both lost their child to violence in, in Israel and the West Bank. But anyways, there's this phrase in it where a guy says, I have a Mediterranean soul and I seek ease and comfort. And that sentence just kind of like has sunk into me lately because you know, Jeannie's so busy. She's all over, you know, doing all this stuff. And there's there's times where I'm just like in in my damn chair. I'm okay with that. Book. And I'm okay with that. I, yeah, I'm in the same mode. Freaking wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. Uh, my, yeah. Rita is exactly the same way. She's always into go this and do that. And like, you want to come with me? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you should go with Rita. Sometimes. Uh, no, sometimes. But most of the time it's nope. No, yeah. I'm fine You're right fine. here. <laughs> no is a good answer. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Hey, I want, I want to switch into hobbies a little bit because we've kind of t started to talk about this a little bit. So there's there's a friend you and I both know 
And his wife is Diane. And she said to him, you can't retire until you have at least two hobbies. And I remember talking to him about it and checking in with him. So I'm teasing him a little bit here. I said, so you have a, you have a hobby yet? He said, yeah, I have a hobby. It's drones. <laughs> like, drones aren't a fucking hobby. <laughs> it's a toy. It's a toy. I agree with that. <laughs> Some people, you know, just don't have a lot of hobbies, I guess, but... Have you come up with some new ones in retirement? Have you changed anything? Yeah, there's, uh, uh, you know, my, one of my hobbies is when I was very young, I really liked electronics. So I can, I'm very yeah. good at it too. The, 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 you know, vacuum tubes, the transistors, the capacitors, resistors, all of that stuff. How does all that stuff works? I'm good at that, and I, I was good yeah. at that all my life when I was young. For start of that, I you know, kind of brought that back. So I created a little lab in my basement, and I have a, a bunch of equipment. Are you fixing or building stuff? So I, I'll take the old radios, the tube radios, and and fix them, make them work. Like I have mm -hmm. a couple. Uh, Radio Zenith radios that were built in 50s and to bring them in and kind of go through the whole setup, research it and look at it and find the bad components and replace them, hunt them down and make them alive That's again. A little puzzle. Make them alive again. Yeah. Turn it on and. So do you have like a, do you have an eBay business where you sell those afterwards? No. Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm not I have no business. I don't need any money. Yeah, yeah. I don't want no yeah. business. I just like to fix it, and I'll after I fix it, I'll then I'll just try to tune it. And just after I tune it, I try try to figure out, you no, know, how does this work? So you kind of, uh, I can spend hours tinkering with that kind of stuff. Just being curious and tinkering. Just okay. Tinkering. How, how does that work? And the the hobby of learning is extremely important to me. And then on the other hand, um, you know, I also um, like to do things with my hand. And I refinished my basement completely. It was a project yep. that was started um, 25, 26 years ago. And I had master plan and went about 10 feet of that master plan and went back to work and let it sit for 25, 26 years. And it turned out beautiful. And about two years after retirement, I decided uh, there's another unfinished business that needs to be completed. So you kind of work that four, five, two, zero hours a day, depends on a day. And that, what you're feeling, that right. took about an, a year to do. It's But it's a physical work and it's like, it, it, it is a um, a work that goes, it, it, it's a system. You just, by myself, no one else, just me kind of thing. No, no, come and help me, none of that. It's like just, just me. And it had to be done. And I do recall helping you hang a TV or something. Well, like that, that that's just a symbolic. <laughs> <laughs> Was, wasn't that? I'm not looking for a plaque or anything. Wasn't that like no. putting a candle on a cake? <laughs> something like or, that. Or, or, or lighting a candle on a cake. <laughs> that's exactly the way it I works. I suppose that's fair. It's, it's lighting a candle on a cake. But, you yeah. know, when... 
that's the kind of work I like to do. And I've since then I've also went to some of my friends' house and did a little bit of work there myself. And um, I'll also um, will fix stuff. Um, my my daughter will will find something and and she lives in a in Metamora on a big piece of land they got a big huge uh, barn that, yeah they probably have a lot of projects they got lots of projects they have this doesn't work and that doesn't work she'll she'll bring a piece of equipment and i will uh, tear it down and rebuild it and give it back to her now it's operational so i like to fix stuff i'm a i'm a fixer a visit i'm a fixer right <laughs> it's a, it's okay. a fixing thing is my hobby hobby is fixing things yeah uh, what i do in florida when i'm in my place in florida which we spend the winters at is um uh, the word got out that george knows a lot about computers <laughs> and there's quite a few people that have absolutely zero knowledge of what to do about computers like nothing i need some help sure okay <laughs> so i'm um, i became a, um, a fix it kind of guy for everything which is which is okay with you're me. You're the IT support desk there. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, well, except that sometimes they ask you to do impossible. <laughs> just, right. They, they can't be done. Right. <laughs> Fix this uh, $400, 17-year-old computer. Yeah, make yeah. it go. Uh, buy a new make one. It go, that, make it, that will fix it. Especially those make it go faster. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> <laughs> buy a new one. <laughs> that is the only fix there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, how about... um. Travel, has that been part of your retirement plan at all? Or do you feel like you got kind of enough of that through your life and work and everything? That's a very interesting thought there. Um, I, I thought that I was going to want to do that more. But, you know, when I look at my frequent flyer miles of having like a million and a half miles in my frequent mm. flyer bank, I just don't feel like going to the airports and spending <laughs> my time. It's a lot of work. It's a lot it of work. hard work. It's, it hasn't been on the top of my list of things to do. Um, but, you know, I do want to go back to where I was born and yeah. and revisit that maybe one more time. That'd be amazing. And um, uh, How long has it been since you've been there? Well, the last time I was there was 1975. Okay. That was, I remember you told me a story about that. There was a story about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's... 1975 is the last time I was so you there. Should definitely go back. And it's still an unfinished business, right? That needs to be completed mm -hmm. one more time. I'm I'm going to yeah. go back at one point in time. I'm, you have family there still. Still though. have family, quite a bit of family. Most of the family is still there. Yeah. Most everyone that I that I know is that's still alive. It's there. Okay. Well, um, that'd be that'd be. That'd be a big trip for sure. How, you know, I guess kind of uh, any other thoughts on, you know, hobbies or ways to keep your brain active, things like that for for people as they're thinking about retirement or have been in retirement. Anything to help them spark that? Well, I'm a firm believer that the reason we exist in this world is uh, for one reason only, and that's to learn things. Never stop learning. Hmm. Never stop learning. I believe the most important thing that, you know, that's the one reason we exist is to keep learning. So in your retirement, don't stop. Don't just sit and watch television. Learn something. Do something. Learn, 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 learn. 
learn is, is is the way to become more and more conscious about life, about things around you, about everything. You know, pe people learn until the day they die. That is the most useful way to live: is to continue to to learn. Um, and I, I intend to do as much as I can. I intend to continue to learn, continue to um, find something new that I don't know nothing about and learn more about it. That is what I think the retirement is for. Continue to learn. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had this um, a metaphor, I guess, where I feel like, you know, I've heard from you, I, I, I don't want to have a plan. That's my plan. I feel like my approach is similar to that in a way it's i say like i'm a freshman at university i haven't declared a major and i'm not going to for a long time and i want to explore and see what really draws me like i feel like i got drawn to engineering because i i think it was it was easy for me and i was lazy and uh you know you could try to, you know, I can't, but let's say you wanted to create a, a musical piece or a piece of art or something like that. I mean, that's so much effort. You never know when it's finished. It's like, oh my God, it's so much mastery involved in that. And and math and science, like, boy, you get to the answer. It's interesting. <laughs> I just felt like I cheated myself in some regard of maybe exploring what I'm most interested in. So I kind of want to leave myself with no plan and just explore from a learning standpoint, wherever, wherever my head takes me. And um, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, if it, it, as you take something on to learn something, are you dedicating yourself to that, like, deeply and multiple resources and really focusing on one thing? Or do you kind of skip around a little bit? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I, I, um, I don't have time to learn at all. So I kind of skip around. Yeah. You have to choose. My yeah. goal is to learn as much about different things than to learn something too uh, deep enough. I, I'm not, I, I don't have time to continue to learn one thing. So I'll skip around. Mm. My, my, other, my okay. other huge interest in life has always been history. So I love history as well. It's nothing to do with anything that I spend my life in, which was computer computers, I mean, computer science. I love history. I love learning about history. So I will read things about history and will study history and and think about history so much that kind of, you know, to the point that like, okay, I had enough of that. I got to get back to some uh, Bitcoin, right. Bitcoin crap. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Been, yeah, we've both been studying that a little bit. I've been, you know, looking too much about history. I got to move in something else. But I have too much of, you know, computers. I'll go to something totally different again. So, you know, it's, okay. it's a... I think I'm really similar that way. Speaking of history a little bit, so I just finished that book I was describing to you, A Paragon, and um, I finished The Bitcoin Standard before that, which, boy, that was great, but boy, was that repetitive. My yes. God, did he hammer home the same point. And remember I told you it's it was more like a commercial for Bitcoin than anything else. It was it did not give enough um, the opposite points of view. You need both. You do, you do. But um, I'm digging into now, so I have a friend who is a uh, history professor at Wayne State, and he, we're out to dinner, and he's, he said, uh, have you ever read Herodotus? I'm like, I kind of heard the name, but never really picked it up before. He said, it's hilarious. And I'm like, well, maybe to a history professor, it's hilarious. But 
Um, it is in some ways almost like a, a Thousand and One Nights or the Arabian Nights. There's these tales and stories, and my version has these woodcut kind of pictures on it. And um, anyways, I've been enjoying that. And he, uh, he kind of went through the early, I'm probably going to mispronounce this, the Lycians and the Greek battles. And then he just went on this big exploration of Egypt. And you could tell he personally went to all these spots and described their culture and how they worked with the flooding and their architecture. And it just, it's fascinating. It makes me want to go to Egypt now. Um, you might enjoy that. That, that does sound interesting. I, I read this book called The History of the World which is um, mm-hmm. goes beyond that. It kind of goes to the whole premise is what kind of uh, history do we have of the world outside of our imaginations, the, the, the real history, the things that we can put our hands on and say, here's a piece of rock that somebody inscribed. So it goes back to as far as we can find things and then um, the real stuff rather than the story stuff. What can we really know about people uh, when was the first word ever written down what's the the oldest piece of written down anything whether it's in stone or anywhere else and what does that tell us about those people and then it goes on and on and on all the way down into the you know uh, 60s and going to the moon kind of stuff so it's mm. it's a very interesting there are things that we don't know that is yeah. normal human beings don't even think about that we just look at the last couple of years and we think that's the world is all about which is not you know it, it goes a lot further than that and it's even like uh you know i think like our point of view about history has changed too because like Jeannie and i were just in london and we i'd never been to the british museum and i, I didn't realize like the controversy behind that because they were a colonial empire right it took a lot of things and so like they have the rosetta stone mm-hmm and um, Egypt wants it back, mm-hmm. right? And so they sent Egypt a resin copy of it, which is kind of <laughs> Here's a picture for it. <laughs> and then they have these giant stone cuttings of these lion hunts from Assyrian times, and the Iraqis want it back. Of course. You know, you know it's, I, I get it. I get it. It's amazing stuff, though. My God, the history that they've... They've swindled, I guess, in a way. And well, that's one way to looking at it. Free but to get access. To I it. mean, they were the. Yeah. I, I give English tremendous amount of credit for being archaeologists. Sure. Without him, sure, people could have destroyed that and stuff. Natural scientists. They could have destroyed right. the resort of stone, and then it'll be gone. And they may yeah. re- destroy it in the future as well. So if they give it to them, I'm sure the part of the decision was, you know, yeah, maybe it makes sense they want it back, but you know, those people. It, over the history have not been as stable as they they show themselves to be and they could des- destroy true. it it's true i mean they took all the sculpture from the top of the parthenon too and you know i mean the nazis had taken athens and the turks have taken athens and Wh- whoever you know, is in charge now decides and i i kind of like it to right. stay exactly where it is in british museum <laughs> i'd rather it's a good argument. i would rather have them stay there <laughs> That would be my point of view. It's a good argument for sure. All right. Um, you know, I think we're 
we're kind of near the wrap up here and some some final questions so i've i've got some final questions kind of rapid fire ones um i know you know you've talked a little bit about routines for that you really don't have any either but you have a few right you get a run in you have a eating schedule you have a kind of a snowbird routine as well are there any other things that you know give you comfort or um, are part of your life that you that you recommend or you appreciate that are routine based i'd say the one thing that i did not have before i retired it became kind of like a staple of mine that i i now treasure is taking a nap mm. my, so describe your naps my naps are are usually in the afternoon i like to uh, it's unpredictable i kind of I read i'll read something and as part of that reading i'll put my book away and i close my eyes and it's usually like 20 to 40 minutes naps and when i wake up i feel so refreshed it's something that i've not been able to experience while was was working but now i find it as a uh, exhilarating way of living it's kind of gives me a fresh air gives me strength it makes me feel so much better i feel uh, like a new do you, man do you go to uh do you lay down in bed or do you just stay in your chair i have a favored couple couches that i sit the lay down in my my position and i i do also turn my phone off <laughs> so it does not okay. bother yeah, me because you know wearing these watches now that are connected to your phone and whether your phone is on and off yeah. the watch the watch will buzz do you set an alarm no though? no no it happens automatically no you just naturally 20 to up. 40 minutes okay and um i usually don't remember my dreams i hardly ever remember dreams but there's usually a dream which i know i had a dream but i just don't remember it and it just makes me give gives me so much more energy. It makes me feel so much better when I when I finish my my naps. So nap naps is a new thing for me. Something that I have never done before, which I uh, yeah. which I find was a, a a great valuable part of retirement, which I would highly recommend to all the retirees. <laughs> <laughs> I like them. I probably don't take them enough. Let me let me go the other direction for you. Let Let's say you were able to cut your sleep in half, like. First of all, I'm curious, like, how much do you think you sleep? And then let's say you were to cut that in half and you got all the rest that your body physically and mentally needed. What would you do with that time? Learn. I would learn. I would continue to read, learn, watch. YouTube's a great source of great information as well. Um, I love YouTube. uh, One of the things I learned on YouTube, you know, we discussed it a little bit, um, is... um, there's a tremendous amount of health information on YouTube, especially about diets, the hmm. the cholesterol and sugar and all that kind of stuff. Enormous amount of information. Sometimes difficult to sort through it, but after watching enough of it, you can pretty much figure out the pattern. You find your sources, You right? can pretty yeah. much find your pattern of what's true, what's not true. And it's, um, I found that particular information, learning that information, that it, it's um, not always consistent with what you hear at your doctor's office for the reasons we already talked about, is that they have a, a certain pattern that they need to follow because of somebody else's decisions. So, 
Is there a um, YouTube channel on this that you recommend? There's a number of them. Explore? Yeah, I can, I can, uh, I can remember on top of my head. But there's a number of different things okay. that deal primarily with um, diets and cholesterol and sugar yeah. and things of that nature, which is important things. Are to- there? Is there like a uh, somebody that really focuses on a high M M&M and M diet? <laughs> <laughs> Everything in moderation is good, <laughs> including M and M's. Okay, just check it on. Very, very, very controversial at times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, switching on to uh, some more serious stuff. You talked about like a, you know, I don't know. I think you used the word like it's your purpose in life is to learn. Do you have like an overall like? thought on on meaning of life or spirituality or what that means to you uh yeah um i i've been a lot of thinking about spirituality and why are we here and why do we exist and how do we get here and the more i think about that the more conclusion they come up to is that uh, we absolutely have no idea we don't know how this whole thing happened why are we here um, but one thing that, at least in my mind, that continues to become more and more obvious is that um, the chances of this being just a random few atoms getting together into molecules and so on and so forth, and the more chances and more random chances and more chances that we end up to where we are, is almost impossible to happen. I believe that there's something. Don't know what it is. Where it is, how it happened, when it happened, none of that I know, and I don't think we can ever know that. I don't think humans are capable of knowing that. But I believe that there is some kind of intervention. Something happened somewhere along the line for some reason that made us the way we are, and it wasn't just a random luck. If that's God, then I believe in God. Something something happened, something made it the way we are is fo- so this question is a uh, in honor of nick he likes to ask this question do you believe in aliens ghosts or god i believe in that order uh, do you believe in any of them or all of them or i believe in, aliens, I, I believe in god? two out of the three okay <laughs> <laughs> It's good to have belief. Yeah. I do believe in two um, out of three. <laughs> I will leave that as a bit of a mystery. I like that. Um, how about any wisdom you'd like to pass along to your great-grandchildren? Uh, my grandchildren and great-grandchildren, the wisdom that I'd say to you is to never forget where you come from. And if you don't know it, first learn it, and then don't forget it. Uh, honor where you come from. Don't take it for granted. Don't take anything for granted in, as far as life is concerned. Um, never be afraid to try. Try as many possible different things as you can before you decide what your path is. But once you get your path figured out, never leave any unfinished business behind you. Get it done. Hmm. Um, enjoy life. And whatever you do, assume that the, the next day... Uh, may not come, so live for today. Hmm. I love that. No. 
I see that in you too, the wisdom you just shared. I really do like the way you honor your, you, how you grew up and your parents and um, your closeness with your sister and all of that. And then your career and all along through your career too, though, you enjoyed yourself. You had a lot of fun. I did. I, I, I overachieved. You know, yeah. I always felt that I, well, way overachieved any possibilities of, you know, what I thought was possible. I way overachieved. It's kind of like goes back to that start the marathon in last place, too, in some ways. It's <laughs> a good way to I've live. I've lived like that, my life that way as well. Overachieved. Yeah. Try to. I, but, but, you know, I never in my wildest dreams did I think that I would end up where I am. Yeah. I, I have that's a, that's way overachieved what I thought it would possibly happen to me. Well, that's super cool. Um, George, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I got so many gems out of this. I think uh, you'll teach, a, you know, if I hope people will listen to this and take some in. If not, it'll be something nice maybe to share with your family someday. Um, but I appreciate your friendship. Always have. I always learn from chatting with well, you. Well, the last thing I'll say about that is thank you very much and i there's one other very important lesson i learned in life that you can do so much more in life with friends than uh, with enemies i'm glad we're friends yeah.